Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. It's Be Real. It's me, Diana. I'm here with Nisha. I am here. And I think that we should just tell everyone now. So guys, my internet is out. So I am here. I am over the phone. We are normally seeing each other. I can't see Diana. I can't see the guests. I can't see anyone. I'm sitting in my room. But I'm here. I'm excited to be here. How are you today, Diana? <laughs> you know, I'm great. I'm already missing uh, your smile, your facial, yeah, all of it, all of it. Missing seeing your face. But we get to jump right in because we we got a big we got a big day. We have a different layout. Today. Oh yeah, we really do. So here's my moment because one of my girls is here today. Uh, so I'm super excited because my friend Marcella, Dr. Marcella Rennell. Do I say that right, Rennell? Paul is here and she is the founder of More Joy Parenting. And I personally have been on this ride with her for a very long time. So I'm super excited that she has come with her entire team. Yes, guys. Her entire team. Her entire team. Everyone's here. I love it. Everybody's here. So um, we're we're thinking it's like a panel. We're thinking, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're super psyched about it. I'm going to let Marcella just jump right in, tell us about herself and then introduce us to all of her beautiful people. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Anisha, for having us here. That is the spirit of More Joy Parenting. We do things in collective, and and that's how we like to work. So I I am just really excited to share the work, and I will pass it off to Keisha to introduce herself. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. I am new to podcasts, so this is thrilling. This is a great Friday. I am Keisha Green, and... Um, I'm a mom. I'm a mom to two beautiful children. I'm a sister, auntie, wife, daughter, and scholar activist. Super, super amped to be a part of this more joy parenting team with all of my amazing moms here. And I'm going to pass it to Nikki. Hey, everybody. I am Nikki Henry. I am also a mama. I am a partner. I am a personal trainer and motivational coach. And I have had the pleasure of being invited on this team with many powerful, inspiring women. I have known Marcella for a few years. Our daughters went to preschool together, so we had a chance to kind of put our heads together. Really excited to move forward with the team. All right, Michelle. 
Good afternoon, morning, wherever you are in the world. Um, my name is Michelle Vanessa Grant. I'm a student affairs professional. I'm also a mom to a very, very active toddler. Um, he loves all things markers, crayons, and destroying. Um, I've known Marcella uh, for a long time. I'm a sister in my heart. She is also the godmom to uh, my son. And so having being her, being a student of hers, I, I would like to say, um, this has come full circle. And so I'm so excited to be here and to work with some amazing moms and to really learn from them as well. All right, I'm going to pass this on to Eden. Hi, all. I'm Eden Jeffries. I'm based in Los Angeles. I come to the More Joy Parenting team on the side of operations and curriculum. I'm a former student of Marcella, I'm also a former caretaker for Marcella. Uh, I'm not a mom, but I have been a caretaker for probably about a decade. Um, I like to say that I accompany parents. And I am also a caretaker of my 97-year-old grandmother uh, and a student who is um, pursuing a career in naturopathic medicine. And I pass it to Annalise. Hello, everyone. I am Annalise Kittrell. I am another mother as well. I have five children, three adult children and two young um, elementary age and a toddler. I feel so blessed and fortunate to be a part of this powerhouse of women. And I'm excited to share the messaging and um, our beliefs and our love and all the joy that we have in our lives. Well, that's amazing. All right. So I, this is such an amazing group and I'm so excited to have you all here. So Marcella, can you just tell us how this whole thing got started? Yes. Although I have to go back for just a moment. Sure. Eden identified herself as my caretaker and I would agree she has provided a lot of care uh, for me over the years, but she actually was, was the babysitter for my first daughter, um, Aaliyah, <laughs> when we were all together. But I certainly would fall into that category of needing a lot of support from her. <laughs> um, and, and so this is an incredible team, incredible relationships, long, decades-long history in some cases. So I'm really fortunate. And, and I guess what I'll say is I, I'm a mom of a 10, about to be 11-year-old. That feels very significant because tweening is like a thing. And then also um, a first grader. I have been in this conversation about young people, about how, you know, adults and young people interact, youth engagement um, from the time that I was a, an adolescent myself through my academic work. But this inspiration, the seed for more joy parenting really came from this idea that as we're learning these life lessons, like we're going through things, how do we share them back? with our communities? How do we make the information integration just a little bit easier? Sometimes we think of them as hacks. Other times it's really just storytelling to be able to, to help people think through their own situations and figure out like, what do I need to, to be able to be my whole self and show up in all these roles in ways that feels manageable and successful. So More Joy Parenting in that sort of iteration as a formal project really began for me in, in early 2019. Um, I had the opportunity to speak about work-life integration and institutional fit for my professional association as a volunteer faculty member. And I came back from it. And I think the first person I talked to was Michelle, actually, about how could we do this in our work in student affairs? How could we bring some of what we've learned? And from there, it, it sort of took hold because then 
2020 happened. And like 2020 was like a whole series of lessons and challenges in, in every way. Really, that's that's how we got to the point of like, let's get a domain name, let's let's get a website, let's bring in resources and start to think about what we can offer and how we can show up and participate. We have many roles, all of us. So we have to take this time management, choice management question very seriously about who we want to be in the world for ourselves, for our children, for our friends, for our communities and beyond. Amazing. And I want to go right to Michelle because she did say she has a toddler at home, correct? So I'm going to start, start with you because what, when I hear more joy parenting, I think what is really standing out for me most specifically is that there is joyfulness in parenting. Now you've been, I'm imagining that you've been home with a toddler working from home parenting. How is the mission of the work sort of shown up in your life in recent, recently? <laughs> I think it's this idea of spending the time, I mean, being intentional with the time. Like, I, I'm not going to give back that time I spent with him while I was home, right? And really kind of seeing his development over the last 14 months, right? And recognizing that mommy is busy, child is busy. I, I, I'll take this back to even when he was going to childcare for the first time, and I was really hesitant, but someone reminded me, like, he also needs his time to be away and mom needs her time to be away. And then when you get back together, it's just gonna be love and joy, joy at the same time. But we really have to find balance. So I, I didn't do this alone, by all means, it's a village. Um, I come from a strong Ghanaian household. And so mom, dad, sister, partner, everyone part of this process of ensuring that I'm okay and then I still have the ability at the end of the day to still bring joy and pour joy into this small child. And then he also understands that mommy's here too, but also how do we create these boundaries that, all right, you need your time and mommy needs their time. And sometimes the times collide. And, you know, in the beginning I was apologizing in meetings for the noise in the back or my son interrupting a meeting. But at the end of the day, I was like, it's part of who I am, right? And I can't hide that identity of being a mother. So you're gonna get this good foot in the face or you may get a ABC, I love Barney in the background, right? But we're all gonna appreciate it at the end of the day because sometimes who, just, who, who doesn't appreciate a, a laughing child in the background in the midst of something that could be serious or just kind of need a little bit of comedy relief. Amazing, I mean, we, we actually, and maybe he'll show his beautiful face. We actually have a baby with us today who's up there. Maybe he's sleeping, maybe he's not. And having the baby just show up, always sleeping, uh, just show up and accepting what it's like for moms to be working from home and having this time. And the babies are great. Like we want, we, those of us who don't have toddlers at home are like, bring it, come on, we're in 100% in. <laughs> Um, that was awesome. So let me see who, who's up next. Who wants to tell me their experience of more joy parenting? Cause there's some parents in here. I want to add something really quick, please. Uh, my thought was that it's so timely to talk about more joy parenting at a time when, um, it's so hard to find joy, right. With all that we've had going on in the last year, year and a half. And also I think that the narrative around parenting now is that there is not a lot of joy. It seems like everyone is so overworked and overstressed that they're not able to find joy with their children, right? So the narrative is that all parents are super stressed out and they can't take it and they need all this, you know, and what are they gonna do? They want the kids to go back to school. And just listening to you talk, Michelle, and just sounding just so happy about the time that you do get to spend with your child and letting people know like, yes, like I am a mom, right? And my child is around. 
and I'm okay with that. So you need to be okay with that as well. I think it's just so important. I think it helps to kind of change the narrative that, you know what, there is still joy in parenting in the pandemic. And we should recognize that. And we should talk more about that. And it's tough, right? And like at the part of it, it's like, it's not easy work and it's still messy, right? And, and, I, and I failed to add, I'm also a student too. I'm a doc student. And so there are times where there's levels of guilt. Like I, I can't do it today. Like I have to do the schoolwork. I can't pour into JJ as much as I want to. But is there a balance? No, it's an integration, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day. You know, you make it work. You know, I'm a believer God doesn't give you um, much more than you can handle. And, you know, that's what it is at the end of the day. Yes. So I was just kind of thinking um, when we were all faced with the challenge of staying home, it was all about the focus for so many moms is like what we're losing, what we're not doing, what we can't have, what we like, all of these things that we are no longer experiencing. And in my household, it was one of these like opportunities. And I thought, wow, like we have this opportunity to really and truly see how this child is developing, see what her day, you know, can turn into and see that all of the, the things that, that we don't necessarily get to see when they're at school all day. And, you know, with, with that being said, the whole idea, like everything's canceled. This was Marcella's kind of dream, you know, dreamland project with her daughter, Aaliyah, and how that just, you know, you take something that was truly, you know, holding us all back. We couldn't do all the things. And, and Aaliyah was just able to explode in this project that became such an inspiration for so many of us. Yes. I mean, that is, all right, Dr. Keisha Green. I feel like I'm in church with that finger up. I'm a, I'm, I'm a daughter of a, a Baptist um, pastor, uh, preacher. And so that, that finger up feels like I'm tiptoeing, right? I love that we think about what the moment might teach us. And so I love hearing my, my friends and, and, and fellow moms talk about how in a pandemic of, you know, multiple pandemics, right? So we had the health, you know, the health crisis. And obviously, especially with this week with, and I'm just, I'm going to call the names of Adam Toledo and Dante, right? As a, as a mom, and now as a mom of a son, you know, these moments continue to be so heavy and charged. And yet, this group, we managed to still think about what these moments might teach us and what we might learn from these moments. I'm a pandemic mama. I have a six-month-old who was born in October. Thinking about all of the ways to shift perspective, and that has been a challenge for me, a welcome challenge to think about how to slow down, how to be more present, and how to think about the sort of less is more and, and find the happiness in that slowness, that slow work, that present intentional sort of being in it. I appreciate Michelle lifting up that, you know, it's messy. It's hard. I'm juggling. I have multiple hats and I'm going to laugh and I'm going to have a daughter who, you know, my four-year-old told my Dean that she was in her PJs while I was in a meeting with my Dean and my Dean is from the Midwest and said pajamas. And she corrected her and said, no, it's actually pajamas. So, you know, you're going to have these moments that I'll never forget, you know, so, sort of mortified, but also like, that was actually kind of funny. Um, and I feel like this past year has been a mix of that. And I'm excited to be a part of a group that will think about how we might invite moms to lean into that in a way that feels freeing and liberatory. And like, let's just take a deep breath together and be in this moment together, be this village that we all depend on and need and, and reframe this moment um, so that our focus, our lens is one that sort of um, thinks about the laughter in the moments where things fall apart, right? So like just reframing, shifting that paradigm. So that's what's really attractive to me about this group, that we don't distance ourselves from this notion that it's hard work. We rejoice in the sort of um, remembering that the, the, the sort of 
unfinishedness or becoming or sort of the messiness is, is that is the joy. That is the part that where we have the, the opportunities to be fun and creative and, and happy and exciting and, and yeah, laugh. Like, I, I just think don't take ourselves so seriously. Let's laugh and let's help each other figure out how to do that. So Annalise, kind of piggybacking off of everyone, I think it's really important to recognize that you know, there's so many things that can equally be true, right? You can be super resilient, but you could also need a break from life, from parenting, from all of those things. And that's okay. And where typically I think a lot of people may not have recognized that a pandemic certainly leaves you in the position to believe that and feel it and experience it. And I think that's one of the magical things about the pandemic. Not that I wanted one or would ever wish upon one, but it forces you to look, like Keisha said, in a different lens and you're more grateful and you really take in everything. And as parents, you, you always really want to do that, but sometimes you feel pulled in every different direction. And so I think that, you know, there's so many things that can be equally true, especially when you you think about your time, right? You can be super busy, but also say, hey, <laughs> I can't do everything. And also you can say in a situation like this that you're doing your best, but also look back and you can also say, but I've also learned a whole lot. And that can apply to any conversation that's really hard. It can apply to the pandemic. It can <laughs> apply to your three-year-old making you late because she will choose her own outfit. Or oh. you didn't match her underwear to her socks and that doesn't match and, and that's okay. But I think it's also important in this season that you can be independent and also need each other. And, and I think that's a really important thing to take away because a pandemic in itself can feel so isolating and you feel alone. But when you find your people, you re recognize that you're not alone and it's so special. Um, and I think that's one of the most magical things about MJP the MJP team is that we don't all look the same. We don't all talk the same. We don't all communicate the same per se, but we're rooted in the same values and the same cultural beliefs that everybody's important. And I, if nobody hears that before now, <laughs> I think it's so important that we're teaching our children that they matter and that everybody matters and that there's differences in everybody and it's beautiful, like really, really beautiful. <laughs> Oh, good. We have a guest. Somebody, somebody's got a guest behind us so that it really, we're really having the background noises of more joy parenting. I love that. Thank you, Annalise. I really, I mean, I'm really still focused on the mindset of joy and the mindset of joy in this group that and honoring the, that motherhood and working are very challenging and managing all of these things, yet you're still all showing up with like open minds and open hearts, which I think oftentimes like you see the wine mom thing, like it's so stressful. How can you do it? You just like, that's the messaging. And this is such a, such a more important way to look at parenting and connection and integrating and um, interconnectedness of all the work that you guys are doing and relying on each other, but relying on each other's inter like families and all of those things. And I person and I have seen what Marcella's daughter has done. And oh, that the Boston accent just came out really hard right there. Like <laughs> I haven't heard that in a minute, but like, to me, that is more joy parenting. Like you don't have children who can do that if their parents aren't joyful. 
and enjoy being their parents. And that has been such a delicious thing to watch and be part of. And I have loved every minute of it. Eden, I want to hear from you because you are a professional caregiver and this does in the same, and we're saying parenting, but this is caregiving and this is something that is outside of ourselves and what that means. So one of the reasons why, you know, we wanted to also give light to caretaking, you know, not just parenting, but looking at the sort of collective of who is raising our family, whether that's actual family, whether that's chosen family, whether that's professionals, you know, we're bringing in who the team is in, in our children's schools, so on and so forth. I have the unique position in that I get to be in people's homes and sort of, you know, examine their home as an outsider, but also as somebody who's being integrated in. You know, I want to make a point about this pandemic and being that it's a time in which you know, most of our lives, the family unit is sort of decentralized. This created an opportunity where it's, you know, forced centralization in a way. And, and while that might be really hard, especially, you know, going into survival mode and kind of all the uncertainty and trauma that comes around something like an epidemic. But, you know, it, it sort of gives us an opportunity to really look at our unit, you know, and see see the things that are working that are not working, who are being in the world outside of our homes. And now that we're, we're in the home, sort of how we're operating. And while there's a lot of tragedy with sort of breaking down of systems, it's it's also an opportunity to to build, you know, to create, to recreate, to reconsider, to redefine so on and so forth. And so I think that, you know, that's, that's something that Marcella, you know, has her work has always been around that. But I think this sort of like magnified, oh, you know, looking at what she's doing actively in her own personal life and seeing how, you know, witnessing the people around her and how they're navigating all this and asking the question, you know, okay, how can I be of service? And also how can I create models that can be replicated for us to create opportunity out of uh, challenging and uncomfortable times. And, and I also want to make a point, people look at joy and, and happiness sort of as like kind of a frivolous thing. And what's at the core of more joy parenting is that for there to be joy, there, there also has to be vulnerability and there has to be confronting the hard times, con confronting the habits and patterns that are sort of like not, not working for us, not allowing us to operate at our highest potential. And, and that gets reflected. That's the fuel that, you know, our children and our partners, our, our friends and relatives, you know, are, are also being affected by and impacted by. So this idea of joy is that, you know, you can, you get to the joy there is more joy when we allow ourselves to be the full spectrum of who we are, which has highs and lows and middles and sort of creating a language and life curriculum around being able to be tethered between those and for it to be okay and great and wonderful. And that we get to the other side, which are those joyful moments, which, which get us through. That's sort of the spirit that keeps us going in everything, whether you have everything you need or you have nothing, you know, there has to be some spiritual core that gets you through and there's, there's joy in those trying times. 
I'm so interested in hearing more and also with you guys really introducing like your workshop and your training. Um, but we're going to take a short break for now and then we're going to come back and we want to hear more about the workshops and the trainings and the things that you guys are doing with parents and just kind of like anyone and everyone. So we'll be right back, guys. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. And we are back. Eden, thank you so much. Right before the break, you really gave a definition of joy that left me thinking more about like the depths of how you find joy. And I know, Anisha, this has been your mission for the pandemic. Jump on in. It has definitely been my mission. And as I sit here, you guys can't see me, but my t-shirt says Black Girl Joy. Yeah. So I've, and I tell my clients this all the time, for me, it's been very intentional to find my joy because I think that our lives were changed so quickly. No one asked me, did I want to leave my job? No one asked me, you know, did I want to be in a space where I felt, you know, afraid at times and uncertain about things, but I was living in the pandemic, right? But I, I knew that I still kind of, and I hate to say it because it feels a little toxic sometimes, but like push through. But in pushing through, I was like, okay, where is my joy? I found it in like the smallest things that, you know, I found it in walking in the park. So I would take a walk in Central Park every morning before work, like 7 a.m., did the whole park. And just to like, the, you know, see the trees and, and the people and have the sun on my face and, and see the birds. It was something that I needed. And I, I wanted also my clients to have that conversation that where is your joy? Because I noticed that a lot of times people can always tell you about their pain point but they don't always know where their joy comes from. Because then I also realize that a lot of people don't have a lot of joy in their lives for whatever reason. And maybe because it's not something that they are intentionally trying to have in their life. So for me, I've been trying, right? Because this pandemic as a black woman has been very different, right? It's not just about the pandemic, but also like the racial unrest that is going on, right? And the racial trauma that I experienced day in and day out, just going on social media and just seeing videos of Black people being killed. Right? This is the things that I see over and over again, the conversations that I hear and I have to talk about. The vicarious trauma that I experience from listening to my clients who are predominantly people of color 
talk about this racial trauma. Through all of that, I have to then say, okay, so where's the joy? And, and so similarly, I became a caretaker in this pandemic. My father got extremely sick during this pandemic. And now he, he had two strokes and I take care of him now. So he lives with me. I am making dinner. I'm making breakfast. I'm helping wash him up, things while I'm still going to work. I'm still making my lunch. You know, I'm playing all of these various roles, right? Like I have all these people in my house that I didn't have in my house before, my, my mom, my sisters, everyone trying to help, but I'm also working, right? And there's things in the background. And there came a day that I stopped. I stopped feeling bad, I guess. And, and, and I stopped having to explain if they heard something. And I had to say, well, you guys recognize that I'm working from home. And I think you, someone brought this up about giving grace. I had to give myself some grace and then to allow other people to give me grace. So I think throughout all of this, you know, I was just able to find my joy in the small things in life and having my father um, live and not die and be able to live with me and spend all this really great time, even though it is a lot of work. I smile every time I see him. So like the parents were talking about, yeah, it is more work. It is a lot going on. But being grateful that you get to spend that extra time with the people in your life that you love is so important. Um, this is one of those times where I wish we were actually recording this <laughs> video because they were not, the <laughs> heads are like shaking and agreement and everybody is like one hundred. We got it all snapping and all together and like on the same page. And it's amazing. And I have watched Anisha go through this journey, obviously. And it is, she's, there's a place for her in heaven. It has been something. So, uh, and in that we're talking, I think that the next thing, and I know we talked about this on the break is that now we've had this time to be at home and we've like really found a new way of communicating with our people. And what are we like, what is happening in the communication that's different than it was before? I mean, obviously it's more intentional because you're always together, but like what's different. And then I'm also thinking about what it's going to be like as we're in that cocoon, like from an attachment perspective and thinking about what it's going to be like to go back outside, especially for those of you who, all of you who have people in your homes and like all of those things, like all the feelings, all the things, all the things. One of the things that I have reflected a lot on is there, there's like an Albert Einstein quote, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something like a problem cannot be solved on the level it was created, right? So, so basically you need to like level up to be able to start solving problems. Like that think of thinking, thinking of things in completely different ways. I think it is true that 2020 has, has given us a lot of opportunities to level up, but it's also true that our full humanity was, was at stake before this, right? Like, and, and the ways that we need to be able to be our whole selves, whether we're home and it's visible to everybody else or not. I say that to say that Aaliyah, who we talked about my oldest daughter and, and all the phenomenal ways she created meaning for herself with her Dreamland, with Aaliyah show and her sister, sister studios with my younger daughter, all the awesome moments that came out of that. And I could talk about that forever. The thing that, that really stood out for me is she just went back to in-person school. So we're, we're at the beginning stages of this. And she literally cried every day for a full week leading up to that. That is so unlike her in, in terms of anything I've ever seen before. And it was crying over big and little things. It was crying over things that didn't seem like they would have made her cry previously, but she could feel it in her spirit. She understood the cocoon was changing, right? The environment was changing and the, there was a loss there and a fear of the unknown and a real inherent desire, which we fully supported to feel her feelings so that she could understand how she was going to, to be able to show up and be in school 
and have that integrated experience. So like all of it was her body, her mind, everything. I think we're in those stages now. I think there is loss, there's hope, there's there's a whole range of things all at the same time. Um, but for us, it's been trying to just name it and be mindful and continue to talk about it because you can actually push your way through it. You can't ignore it. Like these are changing, the landscape is changing right under our feet as we're as we're moving each day. I want to kind of add to that um, the same thing. My daughter, who's a second grader this year, just uh, went back to in-person last week. And for months leading up to this, I had a lot of low moments personally where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be the teacher. I can't, this is killing me. I can't do it all. Like, I can't wait for her to go back. Like all those feelings. And leading up to it, I got the backpack on wheels. I got the stuff. I got organized. I got all the things on my checklist. And the one thing on my checklist that I didn't see coming was how it was going to emotionally like bulldoze me. The day before she went back, I got her all prepped. We talked about all the possible feelings and the things and the safety protocols. And she went upstairs and I lost it. And I felt the cocoon, like for me, having my baby home, even though I couldn't wait to get rid of her, like, oh man, this is really impactful. And I, and I did not see it coming. This is like just being in the routine every day. You forget, like, have a moment, like be in those feelings, because if you don't, man, whew, it was, it was a lot. But I can feel like, even as you're explaining it, I can feel it. Like, this is such a big part. Um, and your children are all from what I can gather, young, like they're not adults in the world. Like this is a time where they are really dependent on you and have found a new way to like be in your, in your, in your communication and your everyday in that, or, and like all of the caregiving was on you, even if like, and your families, it wasn't like we sent them off to school to be like with their teachers. They were right there in front of you and the impact on the parents, on the cocoon, on the communication. And what that really, what that feels like, I mean, from a very independent personal level, like I, I question my going back and like my feelings of like losing what it's like to just like roll out of bed and I might very well be in my pajamas, ladies. So like, what's it going to be like to like pull it together to go out in the world by noon on a Friday? I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for it, but the feelings that go along with it, like where's where I'm examining my own resistance. What, who else is going to let us know their experience of this part, this next step of leaving? I have a first grader. Um, so the only experience um, school-wise is, is our first grader. And she's actually in the same class as Marcella's first grader. And we've this whole time potted together, um, done school together, activities together. And so I feel it very deeply. Um, I teared up when she was talking about her oldest daughter because it, it was very real and I I'm with them a couple of days a week and so I I mean there it's a lot of emotions to unpack I think even as parents we all try to you know we turn spin it positive because that's what we really need to get through it but it's also important to allow our children to unpack that as well as our own selves and to do it together because if if we hide all of those big emotions from them, then they don't know that it's okay to feel that, to you know, unpack it themselves. And that kind of steamrolls into these big emotions that are left unresolved. And, and when I think to my first grader, it's really tough because she left school in the middle of kindergarten. 
and I'm, I get emotional because she's going to go back as a second grader. And she still, a couple of weeks ago, thought she was going back into her first grade, I mean, kindergarten classroom, she and Ava both, with their names on the bench. And so it's, it's tough to imagine how that's going to affect them going into it. But I think as we slowly unpack it and allow them to unpack those feelings and let them know we're feeling those same feelings and different feelings because of different reasons, I think it empowers them in a special way to have their own voice about their experience and what that's like and, and how, they, how they perceive it. I look back and I think of all the wonderful experiences, but I know that it's, it's not blinded on me that they're going to have big feelings and an adjustment period. And I think we're all gonna have to navigate it together. And I think that's so okay, but there's also a sense of loss because if we've all remembered our kindergarten years, they didn't get those big moments that, that I, as a parent, envisioned for her, but also she didn't even know that she was missing out those moments. So it's kind of how do they come out of it unscathed? I don't think anyone does. I think everybody has some experience and it's a different experience and it's hard and tough. And yes, others have it harder and tougher and some lives have been lost, but it's also your what our experience is also valid. So I think that's important when you start talking to others that have experienced great loss during this time is that it's okay to share your experience too, because it's valid. I mean, it's different, but it's valid. And that doesn't take away from, from anyone else's experience, as long as you're being respectful about that. I don't know how, what that looks like when they go back, but I imagine we're going to be unpacking this pandemic season for quite a long time. I was having a moment of remembering Mrs. Alexander's kindergarten class, which was a very long time ago, and and thinking about right. They don't they they don't know. We know we have an idea of, of what they lost, but they don't know and how how to like manage and navigate that while you're having the conversation. Keisha had it was Keisha's turn, <laughs> but I wanted I wanted to make sure that I acknowledge that because I can I can feel that in it in the whole conversation here. Yes, thanks, Diana. I was just sitting here thinking about a few things. I was resonating with Ednisha. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I was thinking about Ednisha. You are. (laughs) Thank you. Resonating with all of what you were sharing for similar reasons. And, you know, obviously our stories are not the same, but, you know, there are, are markers in your story that are deeply resonate with and I was also still thinking about Eden, our resident. I feel like you're our wise leader. (laughs) I've known Eden since she's in college, but I'm sitting here listening to her like, Eden, you are our wise one. This life curriculum resonates so deeply. And so bear with me here. I'm thinking about the life curriculum as a way to frame what we're doing because, you know, in my work in teacher education, I think about curriculum as everything. This moment is curriculum. Every day is curriculum. Every person in your life is curriculum. If we define curriculum as, as, as something from which knowledge might be gained or generated or something through which we mediate toward gaining more information, to hear you framing our work as life curriculum, I think is such a productive way to think about what we might offer and how we might engage, you know, engage as a team. I think Nikki or someone mentioned that we learn so much, maybe Michelle. I'm learning, right? By being a part of this MJP team, I'm learning. 
when we have our weekly meetings and learning, we're sharing our own testimonies and stories. And then I think what we might offer the world, other families, other moms, caregivers is, you know, a curriculum, a way of, of engaging in the world. And then that brings me back to Anisha. And I'm thinking the whole time I'm snapping, I'm nodding, I'm, you know, I'm, if I was in church, I might be running around the church. Um, <laughs> and just thinking about how in, in this moment, I'm also deeply reflective about how generations upon generations of women in my family, how we have learned ways to suppress and not necessarily communicate all of the highs and lows. And in part that survival, right? You know, in part that I think about it, it's survival. I think about the ways we might hum or sing, you know, through our troubles and pain. I think what this moment and this engagement with this team is also helping me appreciate. And I hope in part and model for my own daughter is just what Annalise is talking about and, 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 and Marcella about how we might process and go through all these emotions and hold them and own them. And it's okay to take that self-care moment, right? Like that's not something that I necessarily saw modeled growing up, right? Taking these moments to care for myself as a way to give even more, right? Like to drink myself so that I can pour into other folk. And so just listening to all the things that you juggle, I mean, certainly a newborn, you want to be all the things to that newborn, a working mom, you know, working mom on tenure track, you know, trying to write with a sleep deprived brain, also trying to be there for friends and trying to be there for a father who's miles away and family members who might be going through a variety of, you know, personal issues that also are tugging at your heart. And so I think what also has been interesting for me during this time is to be, we keep throwing this word intentional. There are just moments when I've just been so much more present about what I might be modeling for my daughter, Leela, so that hopefully she sees a different kind of roadmap, um, a different pathway to, to accessing her emotions, also feeling things deep. She feels every emotion deeply already. So maybe she's teaching me. And just know that, you know, when life throws these curveballs, I mean, clearly our globe has been um, shifted profoundly, sort of modeling for her how we can be met with this profound shift and still manage to find our pathways through, around, over, with our personalities <laughs> intact, with friendships intact, um, families. And so quite simply, and I'll just close just and wrap it up <laughs> um, for, our, for our break, just that we will be challenged, right? Life is about sort of encountering these challenges and highs and lows. And if we don't, we, if we haven't learned that, we certainly did in 2020 and still um, grappling with that. I think if we can manage to engage in our own life curriculum and then model that and offer that for other families and parents, then I think, you know, I would be pretty pleased to leave that and offer that to the world. And Michelle, can you add a little bit about your story? Sure. So I'm sitting here and I'm getting like this wave of emotion. And I, I think part of it's like, you know, dealing with your own mom guilt. And again, as you just said, being all things to all people, right? And so how do you find that balance and not feel emotional about wearing that, you know, on your shoulders? And I think at, at the end of the day, it's also kind of what Keisha alluded to um, is also finding your parent voice, right? And so I'm in a home where very strong parents, and I mentioned this before, like my parents are from um, Ghana, West Africa, and so their parenting style, very different uh, than you can imagine from my own style, but also re recognizing that they did a lot for us, my siblings, and just, you know, I rack my brain around it every day. How did they do so much with so little? And then the other piece is thinking of like, uh, my son is gonna be three at the end of June. And so now I'm exploring schools, right? And so having him walk into a space where 
this little pre-K is reimagined. It's not that everybody's in the park and everyone's having a good time and holds your hand of your partner and, you know, going on all these school trips. It's all reimagined. So he's going to have a very different type of childhood because of this pandemic. But how do I, you know, find little nuggets of space to bring him joy? So like, you know, I'm taking him to Sesame Place, a place that I've never been in my, in my, in my adult life. But he loves Big Bird and he loves Grover and Elmo. And, you know, I just know that when we go, when we, hopefully when he sees these characters, he's not going to scream because he may. Um, but I may just cry because that little piece of joy that I'm providing him in a world that as a Black child may not necessarily, he's not getting, he's not, he's not going to get that love from the world. And so how do I ensure that I'm inserting that in him on an everyday basis? And so my apologies for being emotional, but I'm just, I'm sitting here just reflecting on it, reflecting on it all. Please never apologize for emotions. Please feel all of your feelings. I was going to, I'm parroting the same thing that <laughs> because the feelings are, are so important and so important to mirror for your children, but also for anyone in your life. Like I can, I feel, I, I feel you all like in the experiences that you're having. And I, you know, my role has always, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't have children, but my role has always been the person that children talk to, like in all of my jobs. So like, I am the one, I'm the face that your kids talk to me and I have always been honored to be that person. And uh, knowing that parents who are fully expressive with their children make for joyful, beautiful children. So please, Michelle, bring all those tears right here. <laughs> and Eden, so this is, this is going to be impactful for you too. I mean, this is, this is from a different lens, but also as, as much feeling and as, as all the things you, you care for people and you are caring for somebody in, in your home, I believe. Yeah. Um, my nature is caring for people. Um, and I think, I think a lot of that just, just comes from, I'm an individual by nature that adapts really well to change. And that might be a combination of nature, but also a combination of just like in my youth, actually having to adapt to a lot of different environments and, and having to, you know, find belonging in through changes and, and through, you know, different environments and so on and so forth. And in my watching of young people, one of the things I'm reminded of is that they are very malleable, you know, and, and while we try to protect and control, you know, as adults or as the caretakers, as the parents, you know, we, we try to do a lot for them and kind of be cautious in, in so, so many aspects of their lives and kind of try to set them up for success and for happiness and, you, to, you know, to avoid pain or change and all that. But, but they're incredibly malleable and, and that's really how they develop is play with change or play with new information or play with new people and, and kind of constantly figuring things out for themselves and making sense of things. And so while this might seem like, you know, really hard for them, we kind of have to, you know, we were all young once and there are things that stand out, you know, about our youth and there are things that we don't remember at all or just like, you know, weren't really that significant. And I, I think, you know, for them, the things that are significant is who the people are in their lives and what those people are reflecting for them. They're constantly modeling, but they're also capable of figuring a lot out for themselves 
that works for themselves. So sometimes we kind of need to, you know, as we age or as we become adults, we, we get more rigid in our lives. We sort of calcify in a sense. Um, and that's sort of our way of having, having comfort, having control, having consistency. Um, but to kind of look to them and remind ourselves, you know, that we too kind of need to need to remember to be malleable and that that's where the adaptation change is the most powerful when we're, we're at play with change, right? Um, we, we lose play as we become adults. Um, and so a lot of this work is, even with the hard things is, you know, it doesn't have to be a rigid tool set of, of straight answer and, you know, straight resolve. It's, it's really about trial and error and being open to all kinds of circumstances and applying yourselves in all kinds of ways. And, and, you know, that's how we, whether it's confronting race issues, you know, whether it's confronting what we're embodying, you know, this, these emotions that we embody that surface in ways that we're not necessarily prepared for um, and actually letting, letting that be and, and letting that, just exist as is and instead of trying to, you know, create particular meaning from it or trying to repress it or trying to identify it as right or wrong and letting that be modeled for our young people that, you know, mommy is feeling really bad right now and that's okay, you know, and, and they often are very receptive to this and want to, to find a way to be support to you. And I think the more we do that, the more we allow that of young people um, to also parent us in a way and to be a reflection of how we're parenting ourselves, because, you know, that's, that's really what matters first. We oftentimes in these meetings, we come together and we're like, you know, we could talk about the kids, but like, also like, how are we parenting ourselves? <laughs> and, and in what ways are we learning to reparent so that we don't have like generations or cycles of the same sort of repressive, painful, unaddressed, untreated, traumatic behavioral habits. Okay, Eden, if I need somebody to take care of me, <laughs> right? I just want you to know that like, I'm coming for you. There's so much in you are a a wise sage. This is the, the play that being with the allowing, I mean, the three-year-old doesn't hold back their feelings. They don't hold back what they're going to say, like what we can learn from children and what we, what we unlearn as we grow and then have to relearn in order to find that joy that you so eloquently talked about. Ooh, well, ladies, we have done a lot and we, this was, this was the beginning because we have to do this twice because we did not get to all of it. What we're going to do is we're, Anisha, hop on in here, girl. We are going to stop here and have this be okay. episode number one of More Joy Parenting. And the precursor to episode number two is we're going to find out how we can work with you guys, <laughs> like what that's going to look like and how we can find you and do all those things. All right. So here we are. Pandemic. And and in and in podcast number whatever in a pandemic still so what's what yeah. are the rules? Stay safe. 
wash your hands. Wash your hands. And just and wear, wear the damn mask. mask. Just wear it. No matter where you live. No matter where you it. live, what you're doing, <laughs> even if you're just even if you're just doing it to be polite to the person next to you in line. Just wear the damn mask. Um, yes. thank you. We're gonna stop here and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.